I don't, did you, I don't know, like, do you, there, she's out there. You're the Florida version of Sex in the City, JB. That's when I was smoking my cigar. <laughs> don't be an asshole today. How are you? Yeah, it's been a while. How are you? It has been a minute. <laughs> I know. A few years, actually. You, yeah, you pointed out it was 2012 that we that we talked. Yeah, that's 10 years ago. Can you believe that? No, it, I, honestly, boom. I mean, considering we lost like two and a half to the pandemic, like everything is just pre or post, isn't it? It's so true. <laughs> Jeez. It's like BC and AD, totally yeah. pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Yeah. It's so true, man. It's so true. Yeah. My co-host is uh, stuck in traffic, so okay. she's <laughs> so she'll be she'll be popping on when she gets in and gets settled. Poor thing. <laughs> Sounds yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, you, I, you've changed everything. You've changed your look. You've, I mean. The, really the last time I saw I think you were having like the little Justin Bieber look I had the Bieber yeah Bieber? yeah like yeah more yeah. in the Morrissey category nice nice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've you've completely changed careers kind of sort of yeah. yeah so obviously the last time you and I spoke I was a stand-up comedian yeah. uh, doing shows at Pride festivals and uh p-town things like that and um, i was also a freelance writer for out magazine for out traveler for the advocate magazine i was running their comedy section but i was also a writer so i would write for other sections too right so i would do comedy and i would do music and travel um and so i'm still a writer so that part hasn't changed but instead of you know comedy being the focus just being a stand-up comedian is, is it's just rough. It's a lot of travel. It it's, is brutal. It's a lot of, you know, open mics and you're practicing material with a bunch yeah. of dudes like telling rape jokes and like yeah, it just yeah. it's a it's a tough, tough field in general, but I just feel like even not more so now because yeah. we're just at this this uh crossroads where it's anything goes meets being canceled for saying the wrong thing. And it's just a weird place to be, you know, like we're, you know, it's all about free speech and, you know, comedians and, uh, you know, are, are known to put, you know, push buttons and, and, you know, plow through some heavy stuff. And it's, some of it is a, it's hit or miss nowadays. And then, like you said, on top of it, it's the endless travel. And if you're not represented by someone and you're doing all of that yourself um, and still trying to write jokes, you know, it's like, that's a burden, man. That is a heavy burden. So yeah, I can see where having a foot in the door with writing and having a foot in the door with comedy, you're kind yeah. of being able to, you know, subsidize <laughs> where you where you have to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was a good start for sure. Yeah. And, and like, I got to write about other things, you know, besides comedy too, which was great. So I feel like 
the transition now to be writing primarily about music isn't, you know, isn't so far of a stretch. I mean, certainly a stretch from comedy, but you know, for me, it wasn't a huge leap because it's kind of another obsession of mine outside of, of, I was, of comedy. I was going to say, like, I, when we last left, <laughs> when we last left uh, you, Jamie, I remember you having a um, profound passion for Prince. Wow, good memory. Right? Yes. And did you not travel to the Purple Palace? Uh, many times, many, many, times. many, many times. Yes. So I, I remember that the music thing was was a big part, um, you know, and I and, you know, the funny thing is, I wondered, like, how are you going to work that into comedy? <laughs> you know, you know, but totally. I like this. <laughs> it was like, I'm not going to work it into comedy. I'm going to work it into writing. And that's, you know, yeah, brilliant. genius. If you can if you if you can do it, you know, like, my God. It's, I mean, I mean, I, writing is a passion. Like I mm. can sit down and write like 5,000 words like that, you know, on anything. And, and my blog, you know, I'm, I'm so guilty of just kind of letting it go because I felt like I was doing a lot of ranting and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be more observational and mm. less ranty. And I just haven't been in the headspace to be less ranty. <laughs> I'm, in fact, I'm more ranty. Less ranty. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> more but um so now you, are you you're based um on the east coast of the states where were yeah. you at? yeah yeah so I'm based in New York um I lived in the city for many years and then during the pandemic bought a house in Woodstock New York which has a rich music history uh, yeah. yeah so now I live in like just a small hippie town and still get to the city but um but we're really happy here like country oh, living that's, and, that's great still I, a lot of culture. I grew up in, in Niagara Falls on the New York side and um I was there until I was 17 18 and then I moved to to Florida and I was there until I moved here but Having said that, I have never been to the real New York, like to New York City. Yeah. And we're finally going um, in September. Hey. We're, we're doing a cruise and it leaves from, from New York City and it goes all up like Bar Harbor, Maine and uh, Newport, oh, Rhode cool. Island and like all kinds of cool places, Boston, and then over to Halifax and then back to New York. So I kind of get like two quick days in, in New York, but I feel like that might be enough as a, first timer. as a first timer. Yeah. I don't want to be overwhelmed. I want to eat all the pizza and bagels I can. Good. Um, you know, th that's Top, the capitalist. Exactly. That's the move right there. And the uh, yeah, so I'm kind of like ex excited and I wanted to, and I don't know if we'll have time um, until like we return, um, but I wanted to get to the lesbian history archives in park yeah. slope, is it in park slope right yes i think so you're right mm -hmm. i had contacted them a long time ago and they and they got back with me and said that um they totally knew who i was and they wanted anything i had from the lesbian lounge days because they felt like we were pioneers back then yeah you know, before podcasting was even a thing we were doing it in 2006 so i'm gonna you know, kind of gather a few things uh, that I can fit and hopefully make the drop if <laughs> when we get up there. 
yeah so that's really you know like just eat pizza bagels drop off lesbian stuff at the uh at the archives and it's like the perfect 48 hours in New York, right <laughs> if you can squeeze in just like an homage to like a, a little pilgrimage to uh stonewall then you've covered all your bases exactly you know? yeah my wife's actually been there before i have not so um but I've been on a cruise before and she hasn't. So it's kind there of a, a lot of firsts for everybody. Yeah, great. <laughs> it'll be fun. That's I'm awesome. really looking forward to it. Um, so I know JD is going to pop on and, and totally want to be a part of knowing where this idea came from. So I'm yeah. going to hold off on that question. And just for now, just ask you, like, how well received is this project you've got going? Like, it's it seems like it's, it's something everybody talks about, isn't it? I feel like, like you get together with your friends and if you're rehashing stuff, like there's uh, music comes around. Yeah. There's always that person that goes, you know what my go-to song was or what was your go-to song or, and so I feel like it's such a, um, a vital part of our, our subculture and our little groups, you know, and I feel like literally how I try to connect with people like at a party or a dinner party is like, what music do you like? Like, who's your person? (laughs) Like, how do we, how can I orient myself with you that way? Yeah. It's such a loaded question, you know, especially like I'm eclectic, you know, I, I, when I think about the songs that I was raised on, you know, my dad was like a Hall and Oates kind of guy, you know, <laughs> Hall and Oates, Chris Christopherson. My mother was like Motown, you know, <laughs> Diana Ross. Pretty you know. great. It's like Carole soul, blue eyed soul. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we, like Carol <laughs> King. So I, I really had like, just feel like I had a little bit of everything, Yeah. Um, you know, and then I think in high school, you fall into that, like whatever, but whatever everybody is doing and, and whatever concert everybody's going to and that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah. So like j- just recently I bought a sticks paradise theater, uh, 1981 concert. Nice. Show, and I was like, good. Cause I, I didn't get one at the time. Yeah. But yeah, like all that stuff, it just makes, it's the fabric of who we are, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's always those special songs that save your life, you know, or that, that get you through a rough time that, you know, and I just think it's such a cool niche project. You yeah. know, when I saw this, I was like, oh, I'm so intrigued. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you got started. But no, actually, let's go back. Tell me a little bit about how it works. How, how it works. People. Sure. Yeah. 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 So essentially, Songs That Save Your Life is in... E, I like to call it an e-publication. It's essentially a publication that you would get once a week. You subscribe to it. It's totally free to subscribe right now. Um, and it comes out once a week. Every Thursday, you get an email in your inbox. And it would be an article about one song in rock and roll history where we would cover sort of the context, the history of that song, but written from a queer lens because I think Part of the reason I started this project was because as a freelance writer and and journalist, I have always been obsessed with rock music and sort of grew up with the MTV generation. It was kind of my babysitter as a kid. 42 years ago. Yeah. I just saw a meme and it made me like, oh my God. 
<laughs> and I'm 43. Like I literally was raised with this as my babysitter. I had a single parent, worked a lot. So all I did <laughs> yeah. growing up was watching MTV my whole life. Um, Brilliant. And so ingrained in me. Um, but like as you know, somebody who is obsessed with rock and roll, as someone who is queer, as someone who has worked in sort of with other journalists, what I started to realize over time is that rock history is very queer. It is rock history is queer history. Some of the architects of rock and roll are queer. And a lot of rock journalists are cis, hetero, white men, which cool, except for that's like one lens, right? And so right. sometimes I think um, queer history sometimes can get erased or downplayed um, or even just- Whitewashed. Yeah, no. uh, absolutely. Whitewashed, yeah. Whitewashed, right. Yeah. Um, and so I am sort of setting out to try to reclaim some of these stories. And so we don't we don't only talk about queer rock and rollers. We talk about straight rock and rollers who ha also made an impact on you know queer people who like like I like I said I'm a huge Prince fan. I grew up in the '80s. Prince is the one who literally taught me about gender identity and gender fluidity because we didn't have those tools in right. the '80s. Right. Right. We had Prince, right? Like we yeah. had Annie Poor Lennox. George. Poor George. Yeah. George. Yes. So regardless of whether Prince is gay or straight, like he made an impact on us queer kids growing up searching for an identity. And so this, we talk about, you know, we talk about the history of rock and roll, like from a queer lens that I think often doesn't get talked about from. Great. Yeah. Right? journalists right yeah. so I'm kind of reclaiming some of those stories and also maybe just like I think there's a lot of people in our own community who don't know these stories right our own our oh, own totally history. yeah yeah right queer even the queer artists they don't even know let's say like speaking you know from a, a Londoner's perspective right like Dusty Springfield like right. is a queer icon that so many yeah. people don't even know that she yeah was queer. They don't know that she was the first rock and roller to come out of the closet in this in 1970. Like, yeah. And so it's it's not only about like claim, reclaiming these stories for our community, but also helping our community maybe also just learn some stuff that we weren't taught or given or remember. Yeah, because I feel like, uh, and, I, and it's probably just me because I'm I, like the older I get, the crankier I get. But I feel like this generation will go out and they will spend like 60 bucks on a Bowie shirt um, because they think it's cool and, you know, and like gender bending and, and all that stuff, but they don't really understand the importance that, you know, like how important David Bowie was, you know, and, and, and people like that, that were bending gender norms and lines to suit them. You know, like for me, he represented doing whatever you feel like and being okay with it way back then when we're still struggling with it now. Yeah. You know, but I don't think that the people that are splashing out cash for a Bowie shirt really understand, you know, what's behind it. So, yeah, you know, it's it something like this. It's a, it's a service, if you will, you know, like do a little research. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's a great way, you know, to, um, you know, it's, and, and not like throwing it in, in someone's face, but, um, 
Totally. Not the intention. Hopefully it feels fun. I mean, it's just, it's a once a week publication. You get literally like one email on a Thursday morning. You can open up in your inbox and it's not spam. <laughs> you right. know, like, no, I'm getting them. Like, right. I signed up. Yeah. I'm good. And I'm like, getting, listen right. to a cool song, hear yeah. its backstory. And we have other sections that are like, we have a merch section in case you want to buy that David Bowie shirt after you've yeah. learned about David Bowie. We've right. got right. Right. a little trivia section. So we try to make it oh, fun cool. and yeah. engaging yeah. and you know, also history and, you know, giving people perspective on our, our own history. So, I mean, yeah. it's not a newsletter just for queer people. Any, It's for anybody. It's for any music lover, but I think it just is written from a perspective that you don't often see or hear right. about. Right. But I, I do like the fact that it really, it, it, it doesn't, I think it, it will appeal to any music aficionado, any music, yeah. you know, like lover, I mean, we all have, uh, you know, a love for certain, you know, music. And I think something like this is great because it, um, it, it, what's the, what's opposite of narrow? It expands your knowledge in general. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, some people, they say they're music lovers, but they only like this music. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I only like Beyonce, Taylor Swift and Lizzo. You know, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, all right, you know, calm down, you know. <laughs> but you know, I do I just think that um there's just different levels of music lovers, you know, and this this is great because it really appeals to and uh, all of them, but it yeah. might open some minds that are, you know, that are really honed in on certain certain type of totally. music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, over time we are gonna try to sort of run the gamut. So like Beyonce's on the list, right? Because she yes. is a huge inspiration to queer people. I mean, her latest yeah. album is literally oh, an homage yeah. to the queer dance club scene of the 80s and 90s. Like, so oh, God. she's on the list. We haven't covered her yet because we're, right. we're kind of going back in time first. Um, yeah, makes sense. Talk about kind of the sort of the ancestors first before we before we get to Beyonce, but she's on the list, you know? Like, so you're right. I think it will eventually kind of run the gamut. Um, over yeah, time. I find, like, if I have the choice between, you know, watching watching some kind of like crime drama or something and watching a documentary, I will watch a documentary. And I'm always drawn to music, you know, like, mu yeah, music documentaries. I like the Janet Jackson one was fantastic. It was so good. So good. Tina Turner. The so Wham good. The Wham one that just Wham? came out, which, yes. The Wham one, I was, I'm like so, I feel so personally connected to it because I, uh, my parents came, you know, after that two year pandemic bullshit of not being able to go back and forth or whatever, my parents came here um, in 2021 in December, you know, just forged right through the COVID, got on a plane. Yeah, didn't know they were vaccinated, but they had to go through all that bullshit, you know, with the the travel pass, the COVID pass, the this, the that, and everything. And anyways, they came and they spent like a week here over Christmas because my wife wasn't able to go back to Australia, and her mom was going through breast cancer, and she oh, wow. was stuck here, couldn't get over there. So as soon as she was able to go, it was like the end of November, and I said, "Look, stay through the holidays, spend." 
the house she missed her grand her granddad passed away during COVID she couldn't get home I'm like this is the first year without him stay there do the holidays with your family and you know I'll 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 be fine this was before I kind of like figured out that maybe my parents could come like they were starting to open things up so anyways she was in Australia my parents came here we had a great week together um and then we were dropping them off at the airport my friend was driving and um and I always get like you know I'm always like crying and everything like I'm always like bye see you in a month or two you know and then I get in the car and I bust my friend was like do you want to get cheered up and I'm like yeah she was like okay I'm going to take you to George Michael's house in Goring. Mm. And we went to his house and just drove around. And she even like parked in some like no parking space. And I got out and I took pictures of the old mill signs and took pictures of it and everything. And it was just amazing, like to just drive around that city that he was so well known for, you know, like his estate still pays for their Christmas tree and decorations annually, you know, and it's just so when I watched the Wham thing, I was just like in tears. Just every Christmas, I end up crying. You know, I have a, I have a Christmas shirt that's just a tree of all George Michael faces. You know, oh, absolutely. I, I, um, I gotta get that. I, I gotta get that for my wife. She's a huge George Michael fan. That would be awesome. Christmas. Oh, man, honestly. Okay, here's JD. Let me let her in. Yeah. She'll probably ask you the same questions I did. That's okay. That was a tough year, by the way. 2016. horrible? Yeah. That was, that was, hi. Hi. Made it. I made it. Baby, Jamie Smith up there. What's hi, up? Hi, Nice to meet you. You all I'm right then? Looking forward to this. Yes, there was a huge accident on the way home. And, uh. Pictures like proof. Like, I'm not <laughs> just running late. I'm literally stuck behind an accident. I'm like, oh. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. South Florida, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, just a little bit north of Fort Lauderdale, if that gives you an idea. Oh, uh, yeah, the cool part. Yes. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from Florida originally, oh. but not from the cool part. I'm from the other side uh, of, of the coast. In, uh, You're on the hillbilly coast? Mm-hmm. You're on the hillbilly coast? <laughs> yeah, Lakeland, Lakeland? No, a little further south. I'm uh, Port Charlotte, which is like south of Sarasota. Yeah, yeah. I played a music festival in Port Charlotte. Oh, yeah? My yeah. Lives in Sarasota. yeah. Yeah, my parents still live there. So at least once a year, I'm back. Um, but yeah. Left yeah, my, my, uh, my cousin the second I could. Right, at the, right at the marina, at the Sarasota Marina. They have, oh, yeah. They have a condo like right there. So yeah, I try and. Oh, awesome. Yeah, you know, I always used to tell people growing up that I grew up in Sarasota and not Port so Charlotte. Easier, right? <laughs> it's like cooler to tell people that you're from Sarasota. Yeah, um, yeah totally. It's, like a little it's bit kind more of like a small town, right? Port Charlotte's like a small town, a little more rural. Yeah. It's just like a lot of box stores. Like that's all it is. Hundreds <laughs> stores yeah Look at you now living in new york right yeah. it's usually the opposite the new yorkers moved to florida it's true and it's funny Denise. you and i have a similar story because your family is from buffalo my family's from buffalo as no. well yeah they're all from hamburg right by the stadium oh my um, god except right me yeah. i was the only yeah my mom got shipped to florida when she was <laughs> in high school and then had me. So I was born in Florida. I'm not, I'm, but my, but everybody else in my family is from Buffalo. So oh I'm like God. the one kid who was born in Florida who moved back, well, to New yeah. York City, 
you know, back to the state. That's in New um, York, yeah. yeah. We have You're similar kind of similar backgrounds. You have in New York City. Yeah, for years, I I was just telling Denise I just moved during COVID to Woodstock, New York, which is like an hour forty five minutes south, uh, sorry, north of of the city. So um, we're still it's still hard to not call the city home anymore. But we live technically now in Woodstock, um, which is also cool. We love it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's like such a great um, place to be to immerse yourself in this project. You know, yeah. the, like the music roots just run deep in Woodstock. Oh, yeah. I got to say, I, I know I missed the first part of this conversation, but I love the concept of what you're doing. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Ja uh, Jamie was just telling me how um, when you when you sign up, you get a, a weekly newsletter that comes out on Thursdays or whatever, and they're they're delving into a little bit of the history and rock and roll with different artists and everything, but through a queer lens, mm -hmm. it's kind oh. of different than the standard cis white male, you know, right. music journalist that, that writes. So this <laughs> yeah. is a great, um, a great way to uh, learn a little bit. I like, I like finding out stuff that I didn't know, you mm -hmm. know, and I just, I think that's just a great, you know, uh, that, that usually, when it's when it's with that angle it it's always something that you didn't know because we're so used to reading rolling stone magazine and you know mm -hmm. and getting that one single perspective mm -hmm. you know, so yeah so this is fantastic yeah and nothing but love to rolling stone or right. all those magazines but you know yeah. I, as i was saying like it's it's really often like I think I was telling Denise that like rock history is in fact queer history, right? There's, it's like yeah. very rich in queer history. And some of the first people who sort of quote unquote invented, and I get in a lot of trouble to kind of get into debates about who invented rock and roll, but right. some of the inventors of rock and roll were queer and black, <laughs> you know, like black, little queer. Richard. I mean, look at Richard. Richard, Richard nice, right? You know? Yeah. Like little I, Richard who came out before Elvis, right? And Elvis covered like four Little Richard songs on his first two albums. And, you know, think about Little Richard in that way. And, you know, even before Little Richard, he was inspired by Sister Rosetta Tharp and Big Mama Thornton who were like in the, you know, Sister Rosetta Tharp's first single was in 1938. Like, I mean, these are sort of, and they were both queer women, both queer black women, who oh, sort of right. yeah yeah and ma rainey um exactly. i watched that movie i couldn't believe oh yeah that was good how much about her life like people didn't know that was just uh she was uh such a groundbreaker you know just didn't care just plowed right through what people thought yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, for that time you know that's where money talked you know mm -hmm. <laughs> throw money at the problem i love that <laughs> um but you know i uh the re i have to tell you the reason i wore this shirt can you see who that is I, uh oh it's thelma louise it is oh okay thelma <laughs> louise. the reason i wore this because that soundtrack is one of my all-time favorites like Good. It's up there with Big Chill and Pretty Woman. Like those are my my probably my top three, you know. Um, but there's songs on there that changed 
my like I remember seeing the movie in a movie theater and you know with a bunch of friends or whatever and come out going oh my god it was so good but then a year or two later watched it by myself like uh, on HBO or something and I was like Jesus Christ this is like the first like female empowerment kind of movie you know Mm -hmm. that resonated you know with me so then I you know I bought the soundtrack and I was like every song on it is so good you know and it's just like it takes you right back to certain parts of the movie and but I just hold on for a second my cat's climbing the (laughs) (laughs) this new thing climbing the screen I can't mm. Um, yeah but I feel like watching it on my own uh like like really it was it was different than watching it with a group of people you know Mm -hmm. that, that you're just and afterwards you're going out and you're plowing through burgers and getting stoned and everything and, and talking yeah. about it. But watching it uh, on your own, you're just like, like she literally could have been raped. You know, like all of a sudden, like it all kind of like dawned on me. Like, what well, it was these are about. adult themes I watched as a kid. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? But yeah, so I like, oh my God, stop it. Um, so yeah, but then I, I think it was the first time that I, I connected with a soundtrack like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't, you know, like Beverly Hills Cop, everybody, you know, they were playing those songs on the radio and you know what I mean? Like it was so, so mm-hmm. popular or whatnot, but these songs just felt like special, you know, mm-hmm. I think those were songs that saved my life. But anyways, <laughs> I think everyone has one or, or yeah. more than one, probably yeah, definitely like, more than there's, one. There's, I would assume everybody has the story of like, who is the artist or what is the song or right. what is the soundtrack? That really contact you about it, Jamie? What's that? Do people contact you about like that? Like, do they want to tell you what song or maybe what artist to delve into? Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's great research for me because then I just add it to my notes and then that becomes a future article, right? (laughs) To like put out. Um, because everybody's got a different one, you know? Um and it runs the gamut. And like I said, the newsletter doesn't just cover queer artists that would be still pretty vast and I think there's a lot of queer artists that people don't even know are are queer were queer um but we also cover non-queer artists like I mean we just did one on Patti Smith I mean like not queer but come on I know I know right right (laughs) she was the template for so many uh, like fashion like look and feel excuse me I mean I only go ahead I, as a, as a songwriter and uh, performer, have had people, as much as I'm not famous, um, I've, got, I've had people write to me over the years and tell me a certain song, either like save, their, save them in a time when they needed to hear that message, or um, I did a period of time when I was touring, performing at military bases, and I have this one song that's a long distance love song and I had a lot of army wives uh, message me saying that it got them through their husband's deployment. So uh, that really meant a lot to me as the writer to hear that from people, especially not being a famous person, you know, to know that something you wrote touched somebody that way. It really means something, it means so much more um, as the writer. Compliment. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. 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 It also shows you the reach. You know, mm-hmm. when you think your audience is so small, you know, it's really not, 
<laughs> yes, and many a time you think, you know, you work so hard and you, you know, why, like what, like it's like sometimes you think what for, like why am I doing this? Like I'm not reaching the people, <clears throat> you know, I had hoped to reach or I had dreamed to reach. And then you get the one or two people that tell you that at a show. And it really just makes all the difference. And it's like, it doesn't matter that it's not millions of people when, you, when you're hearing back that you changed one person's life from something you wrote. Definitely. So yeah, definitely. yeah, that's why I think what you're doing is so great because it's so, I mean, you're doing it on such a broader spectrum. It really is reaching out to so many. Jamie, when did you start this? You know, it's actually fairly new. It's only launched um, in April. So we've only done like 14 issues so far. So it's pretty new. Um, and in terms of like readership and, and, and reach, like we still haven't quite hit the like thousand, like, yeah. reader, you know, like we're yeah. trying <laughs> to get there. Um, but we'll get there, you know, like, you're right, like, there's obviously days where it's like, man, this is a lot of work. And yeah. are people even reading this? Does this even resonate with anybody? And um, yeah. it's a fair oh, I think it does. You know, yeah, I think it does. Yeah. yeah, but it's I, worth it. I mean, how did I find I found it on threads when I first Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm like, oh wow, look at you. I just, you know, like I, I think social media, you know, is kind of the driving force of anybody's publicity mm -hmm. and, and marketing, you know, nowadays. So, you know, in time, I, I'm sure people will find you, you know, hopefully yeah. just through this, you know, conversation though. I know. Figure it I out. Mean, well, how lucky am I that I get to be here and, and talk to you about it? I mean, what a, what an honor and, and for the second time, Denise, we have, I we know, have, I know. So lucky. I mean, got it, 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 on the show in like 2012, oh, wow. <laughs> 11 yeah. years ago. I know we were just saying, oh, it's been a minute. <laughs> are, are you a musician, Jamie? I am a terrible musician, um, oh. <laughs> so I wouldn't use that word. Um, I have plucked at a guitar sporadically, and I own one, but I am not in a band. I have not written songs. I am much better at telling other people's stories than playing anything uh, on, on my own. So I feel like I found my wheelhouse, and it certainly isn't, isn't that. <laughs> so just like, I want to take lessons to like have around the campfire, but not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is more my niche for sure. I'd rather talk about other musicians. Jamie was doing stand-up comedy when we had her on um, 10 oh. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. I, I, total, yeah. Change you. I, it seemed like it would connect, but I, uh, when I was a stand-up comedy, I was also a freelance writer and I write about music and comedy for gay publications. So it, it, the thread is there, but... Um, <laughs> Stand-up comedy just got to be, as I was telling Denise, just too uh, gruesome, just uh, and just like such a hassle with the travel. And you yeah. know, I'm married now. I'm in my forties. Like I like to be in bed by a reasonable hour. <laughs> like I'm not. You're here, you know, girl. Yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah. It, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a path that I was like, am I going to do this for another ten years? Um, when you're when you're starting at one a.m. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, no. It was it was a great fun time in my life, and I I cherish it, and I cherish getting to getting like get, I used to run like the comedy section for the Advocate um, magazine it was a great gig, um, but through that they would also let me write about music, and I discovered that that is just really 
like ever since I was telling Denise, like ever since I was a kid, I was like very much raised by MTV um, as my babysitter. And so it just has always been ingrained in me. I've always been sort of obsessive to a point of like, people don't want to talk about music because that's all like, <laughs> I always want to talk about music and people are like, um as your wife (laughs) yeah right like everything relates back to to music for me so it just felt like a much more natural path for me and are you doing this on your own is this your own thing like you you yeah for now um one of my besties um who used to be the editor-in-chief of the advocate magazine he is my copy editor which i Jake, so, uh, Lucas Grinley. Oh, Luke, Luke. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so he is my copy editor and, and sort of idea ideation. I do all the writing for now, but the goal is to make enough uh money to pay other writers because I don't want anybody to give me free labor. <laughs> you know, like I want to pay people for their talent, Definitely. and so when this takes off a little bit more. And right now, like when you subscribe to the newsletter, it's completely free. Like you can choose to pay for it because it is reader supported, but you get all the same perks for free that you would uh, paid. So I think down the line, there may be a world in which you might maybe paywall some of our archives or, you know, give like previews before a paywall. Um, But right now it's really just like pay for it on like a volunteer basis. Yeah, yeah, Um, right. And so it's mostly free readers we've got you know, obviously some uh, people who are, who are supporting the work out of the goodness of their heart, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think once we grow and, and, and do have more paid uh, subscribers, we'll, we'll bring on more writers. Because I think also it would be cool to have better, like more lenses than just mine. Like my perspective is one queer lens. There are other, you know, queer lenses. And there are other musicians that I think people might be more passionate about than I am or have more of like a you know connection to um like it would be really cool by the time we get around to writing about Beyonce that I find a real like Bayhive (laughs) I can research that like but it's not you know like she's not in my core I didn't grow up with her you know I love her um but not the same way that I think her fan base does so it'd be cool to get yeah writers who have you know just beyond my own lens which would be the next step of this that'd be great yeah yeah, yeah. I think it's just it, it's just a, a really great way like I said before like sometimes I think we're a little bit narrow in mm-hmm. our likes you know you know mm-hmm. we have our our old stuff you know that triggers something in us and we that's why we like it but you know for me nowadays I can't I very rarely have the radio on you know mm-hmm. like very rarely yeah. listening to anything new you know yeah when I I am it's like when I had when (laughs) when I have my gay handyman here he he listens to gaydio all day long (laughs) so that's when I hear new stuff you know but um but yeah I feel like I'm losing touch with with me too with what's new yeah and and, you know it's a it's a real sign when you watch like the Billboard Music Awards or the Grammys, and you don't know one performer, you know, <laughs> no one act, you know, it's like or one song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, 
I know I, I read somewhere that I can't remember who said it, but someone out there in the world said that like, by the time you hit 35, you don't take in new music anymore. I mean, you, most people, I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah. Yeah. once you hit a certain age, like music just becomes about like what you grew up with or what you right. could listen to oh, yeah. up to a certain point. And it's usually like your early to mid thirties and anything beyond that is like, I, a stretch. Um, I feel like the only way I know like something new is if someone goes oh my god you got to hear this song right? you know like play <laughs> the song or whatever totally. because otherwise I'm not I don't watch anything really that you know that has music in it and you know like I've really really lost touch with new stuff like you know it's so strange like it like it was such a huge part of everyday life you know, in your twenties and your early thirties right? or whatever. But I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like somewhere along the line, I, I miss being able to shop for a CD, you know, <laughs> open it up and read the liner <laughs> notes and, you know, and, you know, I find myself like when you go to a concert and you see, you know, obviously because of that reason, I go to see people from the music time that I remember. So um, anything like the 90s and earlier would be that. And so I, we went to see the Google Dolls last week. And anyone that I've Hello. seen, Hello. Yeah. one that I've seen in concert that has new music from those years, those decades are almost apologetic about here's a new one, you know, and it's like, yeah almost like they're not like they're doing covers and now they're going to do an original you know and it's like like when i'm out playing covers and then well here's an original and so um even they they have some new stuff a new album out and but i remember like when i went to see meatloaf years ago he was like almost apologizing we're only going to do three from the new album that's what he said and then everyone like half the people that's when they went to get a drink or go to the bathroom so I have people go away and they were back for bad out of hell, you know, so right, right. it's just, yeah. it's gotta be even tough as an artist that, you know, that made your name to have something new now because of that reason, like the people that remember you are going to really want to hear the stuff they remembered. So they don't really care about the new stuff that you came up with. Yeah. <laughs> it's why, like, I think it's why so many people go on like nostalgia tours, right? So many acts wow. last yeah. Last weekend, we literally just went to go see Boy George. He was playing at yes, Woods. Yeah, it was Boy George with like Power Jones from the 80s in Berlin. That's why I was really there to see. Wow. I loved Berlin. Um, yeah. She was so hot growing up. Um, but, and they were awesome, but it was like a nostalgia tour. And, and you're right, that exact, I'm laughing because that exact thing happens. Like by the time Boy George got on stage, he obviously was cranking out the hits. And then anytime he'd like pepper in a new song, like you just see all people no just the beer tables and like yeah, it's so so chameleon, I'll be back. Like right? yeah, I remember that. I remember that with Taylor Dane too. Like going to we went to see Taylor Dane and you know, all the all the big 80s hits and then something new came out and everybody was like <laughs> Jane's making new music. What? I don't know the words to this. Yeah. 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 That was so yeah. funny because it's true. Yeah. Um, it is. It's hilarious. They had a band that opened for them 
And the guy, the whole time after, I mean, you really, unfortunately, I feel sorry for the opening acts all the time because even though I've always, I would be happy to be an opening act at this point, right? Like on a big tour. But these guys were like, every two songs, literally, and it was raining, it was threatening rain and it was drizzling. So now you really want the Goo Goo Dolls to come on because if they get rained out, you don't want to just have seen the opening act and then they, yeah. they put yeah. down before they go on. And every two songs, they would say the same thing. You guys ready for the show? So now you think they're done, right? <laughs> I can't wait for the show myself. I'm going to be sitting out there with you guys. And I thought like two things. I thought one thing is they're getting you excited thinking they're done because you want the dolls to come on. And then the other thing is, is if you're the opening act, you are part of the show. So don't be saying, are you waiting for the show to start? Like, make it like you're part of that show too. It was just funny. And it's like, I'm like, I felt for them because I'm thinking, and there were people with their t-shirts on. The band's name is Or, like the Or on a rowboat, O-A-R. They're good. Wait, really? Like, if it's the same Or, they have been a band for That's what Yeah, they weren't kids. They weren't, they, were kids. They, weren't, they weren't like brand new, right? They were probably in their, you know, maybe 40s, like the Goo Goo Dolls. I think, actually, I was surprised. Johnny Resnick is 57. He looks amazing. Wow. Amazing. A lot of Botox but, between there. A lot of Botox. Get a cap on. But yeah, or they were really good. They were like a cross, I would say, of like modern country and 90s rock. So are they from Buffalo? I mean, I think they might be oh, from Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls are from Buffalo. Yeah, because they had a lot of people. They did have a lot of fans there. That's why I thought, why aren't they giving themselves credit? I'm like, I think it's the same band. And now I have to like go back to the memory. They were really good. I, I like their stuff, but <laughs> but you know, the whole thing is was with the threat of rain. They everyone was worried because if it lightnings, they shut it down. So right. you know, it's rain or shine. So that would have been it. But anyway, yeah, it's just I feel for the opening acts as well. Yeah. As, <laughs> The people yeah. that were playing their new music that it hits, you know, decades yeah. ago. <laughs> you were just saying that about the MTV thing, like 42 years ago, MTV no. came out. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Like, yeah. I seriously remember the very first video was like. Buggles. The, yeah, yeah, the Buggles, right. And then um, it was, but that was like, it was cool for me. Like, I was, I think it was like 13. 13 I was staying at a friend's house super stoned and um and and watching like uh, ABC the look of love you mm-hmm. know like all these funky songs that like I were you know I wasn't really sure about you know I was like I would Billy Squire and Journey and you know <laughs> so it was just a nice introduction to like that new stuff like it, yeah. Was, it was yeah what a what a moment <laughs> what a moment we were talking about that and um, Live Aid, you know, saying like, yeah. I, I watched uh, a doc on, on on Live Aid and it was, uh, you know, just one of those things where you remember where you were, who you were watching it with. Yeah. yeah. Same with the uh, USA for Africa, right? Like the yep. American version of, of Live Aid. Yes. Yeah. The, the world, you know, that Quincy Jones did. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like iconic moments. Yeah. Crazy. I saw the band-aid one mm-hmm. you know and I, and then i 
I don't know what it was. It was such like just a little flash of something. I think it was like a British comedy where the kid was talking about when he was little, his whole class recreated that video. And and they had every kid dressed like that, you know, performer. That little kid was Bono. And he was really really mad because his dad walked out on his big solo. During, okay. you know, during the production, he could see his dad leave. <laughs> He's like, not a YouTube fan. Sorry. But it was so funny because every little kid looked exactly like that artist in that in that whole scenario. The George Michael oh, one. Yeah. Thing. Like, it was so crazy. Phil Connell. So cute. It was so cute. It were all little kids. But um, yeah, those are like, like moments. You mm-hmm. know, I hate to use that word because I feel like... Um, Allison Victoria from that HGTV show that uh, Windy City where she re- renovates houses in Chicago and everything is a moment like <laughs> I want this backsplash to be a moment for the oh, show. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like those are really not moments moments are things <laughs> that just stick with you in your heart you know exactly. yeah. right right, right. <laughs> so don't be throwing that word around like it's a big deal <laughs> in ovenhood. so um, yeah I think like certain things like Live Aid and, and USA for Africa and Band-Aid and all that those are moments that Cute. you know that stick with you because you never see that kind of camaraderie you know right. among artists right like, I, God, I, I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think about, but you just don't see that in this day and age, you know? They did that with, um, that's what <laughs> friends are for, before they did it with that one. That's what friends are for. Yes. Yeah. 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 I just You're probably that. too young to remember 70s disco, Jamie, but. Um, uh, right. <laughs> I mean, not personally, but my, my mother had me very young. And was a disco queen for sure. So I grew up. She grew up with disco. You will know um, when I saw the name of your project. I I um, immediately thought of the song "Last Night a DJ Saved My Life." Saved my life, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. A good one. Now, and I remember when I was a kid, and that came out. I was very young, also in the seventies. I was too young to go to the discos, actually, but. I mean, not that young, just like my mom wouldn't allow me to go anywhere. But like if I was like a normal kid, I would have had the fake ID and I would have been at, you know, <laughs> at the discos in New York City. But I grew up on Long Island. But anyway, um, I remember hearing that song and thinking, how could a DJ save your life? You know, but then as you go on in life, you realize how much songs could change your whole mood or you get you out of a funk or, you know, put you in a better place mentally right so oh, yeah. I, got like, I got it then so yeah yeah is that yeah. for you jd do you have like a band or a singer or like a moment that you can think of that you're like this is a song that sees me or like makes me really feel me you know myself JD, yeah i swear to god if you say janice ian i'll reach to this computer and <laughs> throat punch you <laughs> Well, I definitely can relate to at 17. I was the one who picked last for the basketball team and everything, but I wasn't going to say her. Funny you say that. Uh, (laughs) But now that you mention it, um, 
you know, this sounds so incredibly cliche, but Melissa Etheridge's Yes, I Am album came out when I was like about, I didn't come out yet, but I was really coming to know who I was. I was mm -hmm. married to a man and I had been married for like, I don't know, 15 years. And when that album came out, every single song on that album I related to, and it actually mm -hmm. influenced my writing, my songwriting also, because all of that, those feelings and that energy that I had that I couldn't, wasn't doing anything about in life, I put into all of those songs I was writing. So definitely that album uh, influenced me a lot and, and how, in many ways, like helped me just like listening to the lyrics because her songs were very much about the not getting the girl, not getting the person. And she wrote, she wrote back then very, uh, she never mentioned a gender. Like it was, you know, she never said he. So, right. and then that influenced the way I wrote my songs. And when I started playing at the Pride Fest and in the gay bars, the women noticed that about my writing. <laughs> and so I had a couple of women come up to me and say, you know, your songs are very lesbianic. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, and at the time I was married and I'm thinking, oh, it's, you know, it's evident. It's, this is so transparent, you know, but that's exactly why I was writing it that way. So yeah. I would have to say that, you know, absolutely. It's yeah. It's funny how, like, especially in, you know, I would say up until almost now, right? You think about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, even the early 2000s, like a lot of songs are coded, you know, like they're not outwardly saying like, I'm I'm a woman singing about a woman, right? Like Melissa yeah, after right. did that eventually, but yeah. a lot of people, especially a lot of the people in the history that I write about are like writing encoded language that queer people, like you said, they're like, I noticed that. Nobody yeah. else Yes, right. yes. That, but you notice it, you know, like I it's interesting that you didn't use gender there, you know, like yeah, we yeah. catch on to those things. Um, I think, yeah, I think we relate, yeah, we listen with a queer ear, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we can't, yeah, 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 can't do it otherwise, yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> true, yeah, yeah. I know the, the inspiration for the name of um, last time DJ said my life also works, but this, um. Songs that Saved Your Life is taken from a Smith song. Um, and it, it's like a line from a song that they did um, called Rubber Ring. And it, it he, he literally is saying like, don't forget the songs that made you cry and the songs that saved your life. And I picked that only because I think that's what the newsletter certainly is, is about, but also Morrissey, whether you like him or not, like in his, you know, sort of in politics aside, like when he was in the Smiths, it was a huge sort of, I think, influence on queer kids in the 80s listening to alternative music. And that guy sang about queer pain like nobody. Right. And yeah. he had the biggest straight guy following, like men were just rushing the stage and like hugging him during concerts. And we're talking like burly straight guys are still yeah. doing it this yeah. day when he's in the concert. Yeah. And that's yeah. about dudes. Like he was singing about queer unrequited love queer pain like and and straight people were just like no he's he's ours like he is for us. Yeah, right 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 and like yeah. so I found I you know again like Morrissey aside I found like just naming the newsletter after that sort of song lyric and specifically about the impact I think that the Smiths 
had on queer kids in the 80s um, yeah. just felt like the kind of a good theme, um, you know, for that. And certainly we write about him and how how queer his lyrics really are, um, yeah. if you really care to listen. Yeah, you know, I think it's like, music is like, like the forgotten topic that we can see through, uh, you know, that, that there's a queer lens there, you know, mm -hmm. for us to, to, to delve into because don't it, it seems like people do it with a lot of you know with movies you know and 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 it's it's like why yeah why doesn't music come to mind you know it's just yeah, yeah. they may look at an artist in a certain way but music as a whole you know like like you said going back like the beginning of rock and roll all the way back you know to the 30s or whatever like I think it's just something that I don't know. It's it's almost forgotten. So you know, this is a great time to bring this to the forefront. You know, to let to let people learn. <laughs> you know, yeah. learn, know, understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And hopefully, it's fun because I think we were joking earlier about like all of the male journalists, straight men who write about rock history. There's a lot of mansplaining that goes on and rock history so what we try to make the newsletter fun and not like queer splain like too much you right, know, right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, beat you over the head with this history lesson and so we kind of break it up with fun like trivia and like cute merch and like we try to make the stories yeah because there's so like so much of queer history is terrible right like so right. many of these people's yeah. stories are awful because they're closeted and or right, right. painful yeah they're oppressed painful. yeah totally yeah. so like it's not just like you know like oh my god I better brace myself when I read this thing we try to keep it fun and um but just kind of from that lens with hopefully not making it too <laughs> painful or serious right. no it's so much more palatable yeah. you know it's explaining. very very yeah. very palatable it's not heavy you know, it yeah. doesn't, yeah, you don't walk away with like a heavy heart, you know. Um, yeah. You don't want to open up your inbox on Thursday morning <laughs> and be like, ooh. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah I think uh, this is the, like one of the coolest projects we've come across. You know, we, we oh, yeah. are always looking for, you know, uh, something new, something that is, um, you know, in, in tune, you know, with our viewership and our, you know, and it, you know, the thing I like about this too, Jamie, is that it doesn't really matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what your taste in music is. Right, right. You know? Like, it's just, it's wide open. Yeah. That's, it's great. I mean, that's just, it, I just see this becoming like really successful. I appreciate you saying that. That's so lovely and thank you for <laughs> even just reading it it's still you know as I said it's still kind of in its infancy stages so it's just so nice to get to talk about it with anybody <laughs> you know? like, yeah. sometimes you're just kind of in your own little bubble being like I, I hope people do uh I want to I want to direct some of my my British musician friends to it mm -hmm. you know and oh, um, yeah see if they yeah. even reach out you know because you know one thing I noticed after living here for the last 10, 12 years is that um, our like 80s, 90s, 2000s, like what I, what I know to be, mm -hmm. you know, like 
what I'm familiar with was nothing like what went on here. Like the British pop totally. music and punk music and rock so different than what we know. You know, like they have, they replay on one of the channels here, all the old top of the pops, which would be like our American top 40, right? Love, yeah, yeah. Pops, right? And and I'm just, I'm I'm stunned at like the, like, why have I never heard this group? Why have I never heard of them? Like, <laughs> you know, a lot of stuff just didn't make it over, you know, to us. And, you know, we celebrate, you know, the ones that did like Elton and George Michael and, you know, Boy George and all that. Dusty, yeah so many more that we have no clue about it's just it's really it's it's incredible you know like i and you know i don't want to limit myself to that particular era and genre of you know rock and roll or pop and rhythm blues i wake up every sunday morning and my wife has on classical music because oh. she was a violinist and she has music degrees and everything not that she she doesn't do any of that anymore but it's oh, still like a big part of her you know and yeah. So over here they have, and Jamie, you might know the um the the proms, the BBC prom. Do you know what that is? It's a month of music once a week at Royal Festival Hall. That's classical music and they play all the real familiar, you know, pieces or whatever. But on the last day of the proms, people come in these crazy outfits. <laughs> with like scarves and hats and oh. British flags and pom-poms and all kinds of stuff. And they play a, a very um, traditional, you know, every year on the last day of the proms, they play like kind of the same songs. And there's parts where the people will clap or will throw something in the air or will do, and, you know, the cameras just catch all of it. That's so, so yeah, it's really, really crazy. Like, picture show of like classical music. <laughs> like, dress up and I, said, I did. I said to my wife, I'm like, you know that like Americans, you would go watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show in theaters and break, throw toast, throw <laughs> rice, you know, right? It, and she's like, same thing, but it's all classical music. And she, <laughs> <laughs> not the same. Thing. Don't think about it. Yeah, it's not the same, right? <laughs> you're so into that, though. That, that's so cool. I mean, it I really is. You're, your it's listeners so, across the pond that I don't I've never heard of it but I am gonna I'm gonna look it up now because that sounds awesome it's really really cool I'm probably explaining it all wrong but it's just <laughs> like I can't wait for the last night <laughs> of the BBC proms like I, it's just like I'm so psyched for it it's coming it's coming <laughs> so <laughs> I cool. came up because every Sunday morning I get to hear a little bit of it and we also watch uh the BBC young young musician contest which is like the elite of the elitist youngsters in music and they have like a percussion and a strings and a wind and um competition and it it's always mind-blowing like the guy that the the young black kid that played the violin at harry and megan's wedding mm -hmm. was the winner of the bbc young musicians award for violin and he was playing at the prince's wedding but yeah, the, the talent is off the chart, you know, off the charts, but it's just really, I never, if you would have asked me in my twenties, would I be listening to classical music on Sunday mornings? I <laughs> Not in a million years. And yet here I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Living proof that any, you know, you, 
you can open your mind <laughs> at any given time. So it should, uh, right? It should, right. Right. And yeah. Like yeah. I think being stuck in our ways is probably what we ask other people not to do, right? For yeah. for our sake, right? So yeah. 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 But you're giving people an in to be able to do it privately in their email, yeah. you know, <laughs> on Thursdays. Or you know, it's just in a little a little bit. And I think that's that's amazing. You know, like I said, you're not you're not hammering them over the head with anything. It's completely palatable and yeah, and it's and hopefully it's, recovering eventually. I mean, like I said, we're sort of focusing on some historical figures right now before we get to the more current acts. But hopefully, if you subscribe and and read, like there's going to be somebody that you're going to be like, oh, thank God, this is my favorite person or this is my favorite band. Like we did one on George Michael, and that's that's my wife's favorite. Yeah. She is a huge George Michael fan. So we had to put him in early. And yeah, you know, just, I, I wasn't, you know, when, when it was happening, I wasn't the fan that I am now, mm. you know, when it was happening, my cousin was the fanatic. She yeah. flew, she flew from Buffalo to London to watch the final Wham concert at Wembley. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She was That's, 19 yeah. and went by herself. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. Crazy. So, um, yeah, she was the first person I sent all those pictures of his house to, you know, like the okay. first person. But yeah, it's uh, it's just I just think I, I from living here and soaking it all up, you know, I just yeah. became more and more of a fan and learning about the things that he did you know obviously after he passed like mm -hmm. all that stuff comes out about like all the things he gave money to you know and um, right right and so, no one knows that usually right. a lot of times when they're right. still with us yeah <laughs> and that was some of the stuff that just really like yeah. stuck with me and and touched me but after watching that that doc on on wham which i liked because it wasn't george michael centric you know, mm -hmm. it really was about the duo, you know. Mm -hmm. I That's what I really appreciated about it as well, not to go down that documentary rabbit hole for people who haven't seen it, but it gave me such a huge appreciation for Andrew Ridgely, like, because he's always the one that you don't focus on when you think right. about. That's true. Yeah. And what a no, beautiful, <laughs> like, soul. Like, he just was yeah. like... George is the artist. I let him write the songs. I know who I am. I'm just, I, I party. I'm good at it. Yeah. You know, yes. and he's ready to move on and I'm proud of him. And like, there was no jealousy. There was no ego there. It was all very, there's no drama. Like, they just yeah. ended it. You know, it was just like uh, ended on a high note. And, you know, it's, you know, when that, when that document, when they were promoting the fact that that doc was coming out, he was on every talk show over here. Oh, was it? It was just so crazy to see him because his, you know, he's the same eyes. Like you just recognize him. Only thing is different is he all gray, all gray short. Oh. You know, but <laughs> he does have an amazing personality. He's so charming and so sweet, and never has a bad thing to say about anything. And they try, you know, like it's just. It's just the way reporters are now, right? They just want a sound bite that they, they splash all over and get clicks right, on. And, right. shit. and it, there was just nothing they could pull out of this guy that would would 
often do you hear that in in bands? You know, you always hear about the drama or like always power dynamics or the ego. And I feel like that documentary just gave me such an insight on how much of a lack of ego. (laughs) Like I I don't know if it was the Guardian that wrote about the documentary. I can't remember, but it was like an opinion piece. And 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 the headline was, is Andrew Ridgely the the Buddha of boy bands? Because (laughs) he is so zen about everything that happens to him and the whole experience of what happened with wham like what a beautiful story yeah i think that was uh, also true of christy mcvee with with stevie nicks you know like she kind of i'm not gonna say took a back seat but you know stevie nicks really became like that the face of that band as and being the only other woman in the band i always wondered because she wrote a lot of those songs too you know did she ever feel like she was like you know coming in second and you know i don't think she was ever a person that was felt that way either i think that was a rare one of those rare situations where there wasn't um you know the ego that got in the way to make any because then that kind of ruins the music when that happens so i'm so glad you brought that up because i have a weird obsession with stevie and christine as a duo because yeah when people talk about Fleetwood Mac, they talk about the drama. They talk about, oh, the breakups and this person was dating this person. And like, oh, there was so much infighting. And people make the assumption that the infighting came from the women in the group. And it didn't. It it didn't. Came, didn't. Yeah. It they didn't loved each other. Like, yes. Steve yeah. and Steve were tight and close yeah. and like artistically inspired each other. And like the drama that came from the band was their relationships with the men in the band. Right. I find yeah. that also like so beautiful. Like their relationship really was very sisterly. Um, it seems as an I outside. Saw, uh, Nick's down here in concert right after uh, Christine McVie passed away, and she sang a song for her. You know, one of the ones that she sang, uh, Stevie sang, and dedicated it to her and talked about her. And actually, just put a post up. She would have been eighty uh, this past a couple of weeks ago would have been her birthday. She would have been 80, oh. right? Like, what? These are the things, you know. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real. I know, right? Do, do you get um, people wanting to share their stories with you, like like write, like calling in or writing in or, or you know, messaging you saying, this is my story for this song. And can you tell that story? Do you have people wanting you to tell their stories? Here and there, I've had some folks who subscribe to the newsletter, like email me back or, you know, a lot of conversation comes up in the comment section too, about, um, you know, impact that that particular artist that I wrote about had or a different artist. Um, and um, the the newsletter is um, the platform that the newsletter is on is on Substack. I don't know. I say that, and not everybody's heard of Substack, but it's essentially it's coming around. It's coming around, around. Like, making yeah. the round. Substack yeah. is the thing now, but that's where the newsletter is is hosted. And Substack has a whole platform, like a social media platform within oh, it okay. called okay. Notes. It's like their version of Twitter or Threads, like within the platform. So you can uh-huh. read newsletter like in your email but you can also read it on the substack like platform or app and in the notes section like people start all kinds of discussion threads that are like related to kind of what you're talking about like the, those types of impacts and i think as the audience gets bigger 
um, I want to encourage those. Like I want to add sections that are, you that know, are generated. This, it would be super cool. This reminds yeah. me of like, um, I don't know if you get, oh, what's her name? Denise, you mentioned her when you were here. The the woman that has her has the nighttime show. Um the, Delilah. The it's kind of reminiscent of Delilah. Do you get Delilah uh, in Buffalo? I love Delilah. Everybody knows Delilah. Everybody, right? She's syndicated. Yeah. Um, it could almost be that, you know, like that could all maybe like you could explode it into that kind of a thing. Cause I noticed people are like, I'm sure wait to get on, to talk to her, to tell them, to tell her their story and pick a song for me, you know, like, but the opposite in your case, like, you know, you, they, you would have the song and they would tell you their story. Like I can almost see that being kind of like that because people love to share that. I think that. That's the goal. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think the newsletter will, we're trying to grow that people love to read, but also we're trying to turn it into eventually like a radio show. Um, eventually a podcast would be great, except there's so much music licensing issue on a podcast because you can't really play a lot of music. I will give you a slot on my feed. <laughs> um, but you know, I think the cool thing is, is you might not have to play the song or the yeah. artist stuff to have a discussion. Right, you know, that's so, true. Yeah, so that's to true. Skirt, to skirt around yeah. that royalty thing. Right, right, right. You know, those are the options that we're, we're weighing is like a podcast would be lovely because it's like, it's so perfectly set up for discussion and getting cool discussions going. But it also would be cool, even if you could just play small clips of a, of a song just for reference in case there's folks that don't know the song or don't like have a reference to it. Right. So a radio show would be awesome. Um, or a podcast, if if music licensing ever became a little bit less stringent. Um, so these are definitely ideas that we're knocking around because you're sure. right. It's perfectly sure. right for that. Like it should I think be. It, yeah, it would be cool to have a podcast just um, to, to, to discuss the newsletter. You know, mm -hmm. like the newsletter comes out yeah. on Thursday to have like a podcast come out on Friday, you know, discussing that or over the weekend or something. You know what I mean? Like, I One think thing I'm experimenting yeah. with is TikTok, which I can't even believe that I'm on TikTok because I feel like <laughs> I'm too old for TikTok. But we actually <laughs> have that's like where we have our biggest following. We've got like 15,000 followers. We have more followers on TikTok than we do actually subscribe to the newsletter, which um I hope we'll change someday. The but. easy way, right? Everybody wants their in, info in. Totally. Yeah. But we're thinking about experimenting with making videos on, on TikTok so that you can talk about at least this history and also play some of the clips from music. The only thing that you miss is sort of like what you're talking about, which is the interactivity of yeah, the engagement. People right. say, this is my song. This is my story. So right. There's a lot of options that we're kind of weighing Um right now and maybe all of them <laughs> you know like I, yeah that's the thing it's like just a wide open frontier you know from here yeah. but i think that you are off to an amazing start and Absolutely. you know i feel like so people that are watching or listening for for this that want to know how to find you i'm just letting you know that i i found it on threads right songs to save your life but available, <laughs> like you said, on TikTok. Is it the same name? Is it the same handle? Yep. yep. Songs that saved your life on Instagram. It's songs that saved you. Um, but also, if anyone's listening, if you want to just go right to your internet browser and go to songs that saved your life. Substack. Com. That would be 
the website That's where they um, can sign up and you can subscribe and you can read the full archive of stories there. Um, so once you subscribe, you'll get a new story every week. But if you go to songs of save your life.substack.com, you can go and you can read all of the archives. If you're like, Oh, I want to see well, who else you've written about. Yeah. Um, so we've got stories on little Richard and on Prince and on George Michael and Dusty Springfield and Grace Jones. Like we've got a wide gamut of people that we've already started covering Patty Smith. Like, so lots of folks. Um, Great. So I love that you covered Dusty Springfield, by the way, because like talked about that in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Pioneer. Pioneer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I know she was one of my favorite ones actually to write about because I, I felt like she, like, I didn't know this. Like she really was kind of like a tomboy growing up. Like she looked like this growing up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like why she got her nickname Dusty was because she used oh. to get dusty and dirty playing with the boys like yeah. in the streets <laughs> and then kind of assumed this like prom queen persona as a survival mechanism really um to become famous and then you know was like the first rock star to come out in 1970 before Bowie before Elton John like before everybody she yeah, did that's Springfield yeah. I didn't know about her that that's interesting an interesting fact that's why yeah. this is important. What this is why Jamie's work is important. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah, I really encourage everybody to go check it out because I've i I'm loving it. Like I really am. I'm so proud of you, Jamie. <laughs> I didn't thank you. That's so nice. Yes, so, Jamie, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go, but I give Lucas my best and <laughs> and you know much success as you yes. bolt forward. Thank yeah. you. Get with us. It's so great to meet you, JD. Thank you so much for having okay. me on your your show. So it was just so fun to talk about it all. Yeah, <laughs> I love what you're doing. It's awesome and unique. Yeah, that's what I like. Uh, no we one love else. Queer. We yes. love niche <laughs> queer, Jamie. Nice. <laughs> so, all right, listen. Have a good night. You too. Yeah. Thanks again for having me on. Thank you, girl. Bye. Do you always run back to like never stop chasing your dreams? We drank way too much whiskey. And I confess my addiction. My addiction is you.
feels my way. 